Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. Today's episode Countdown to Picard! My name is Ethan, and his name uh, is Kevin. And today we will be discussing three short tracks two animated, one Picard related, and our favorite Picard episodes. Favorite two Picard episodes. Yes. Uh, well, favorite Picard-centric Next Generation episodes. We don't have favorite Picard episodes yet because it should not have. Ah, true story. Yes. Um, okay, so the animated ones, um, I guess the first one to begin with is the uh, the girl who made the stars. Oh, that was before the Believe tardigrade so. who... Believe so, yeah. Well, whatever, doesn't matter. Right, I think we talk about the tardigrade first. I, okay. Because that one is its own thing, and I feel like the other one connects more directly to the next episode. The girl who made the stars connects right. to the children of Mars. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, okay. So, Eframe and Dot. Yes. Is that one? Yes. The tardigrade and uh, is Eframe, and the little robot is Dot. Yes. So um, this was interesting. The first animated Trek episode in. 46 years. 45 years. Wow. <clears throat> um, this is interesting because I watched it and I thought, oh, this is fun. But then at a point, I just started to feel so bad for the tardigrade, it just became unpleasant to watch. Well, I think the point was to feel bad. I know, but I felt but, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> it would be as if I was watching a Tom and Jerry cartoon and I started to just think, wow, that cat is really, really hurt. Mm -hmm. The cat being... Uh... The tardigrade, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I liked all. The, I liked what, how it basically ran through. How Ephraim basically ran through the Enterprise's history. That was fun. It was um, fun, except for the poor <laughs> tardigrade having his babies continually stolen. Right. I mean, my hope, my the thing that I, I know it wasn't really meant to be taken too seriously, but I love the fact that Ephraim chased. The eggs all through the galaxy, following the Enterprise, and at a point, I thought to myself, "Well, you had plenty of time when the ship was getting refit in the motion picture. You probably could have could have grabbed them then, <laughs> right?" But uh, yeah, right. But I'm... um, I so I didn't know anything about the episode going in, and I was, you know, obviously very surprised when we saw Co Kirk, McCoy, and Khan from Space Seed in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think this crop of short treks has been the most. Um... Adventurous in their mm -hmm. tone and yeah. themes. Right. It's sort of just been let's try something wacky, and this was definitely wacky. I wonder if this is going to be any sign of what's to come with the animated series Below Decks. I think. Well, the animated series Below Decks is going to be more. I think the humor from it is going to be derived more from that sort of Rick and Morty way of doing things. Um, yeah, because it's made by the same a couple of writers on Rick and Morty, so I think it's going to be more sort of in the vein of that show. Oh. And I think even the animation style is going to be... Uh, well, they've, they've released anim they've released pictures of it from back in Comic-Con oh. last summer. So, <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. Um, I wonder we, if and, it that's will, uh, and that's allegedly coming this year. Okay. I wonder we if it will follow the laws of the Trek world. Just because when I think of Rick and Morty, I think of off the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be off the wall. Okay. But... <clears throat> I liked Ephraim and Dot. I, I loved the fact that it just all of this was sort of happening in the background and all of these various famous moments in Trek between uh, Space Seed, then you got Sulu in the Naked Time, and then <laughs> that was fun. 
went past the Green Hand and Whom Wants for Adonis, and then... Uh, Did we see Lincoln, I believe? We see Lincoln yes. from the Savage Curtain. We saw the Tholians from the Tholian Web. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're taken into smack in the middle of the battle between the Enterprise and the Reliant and the Wrath of Khan, and then... We uh, and then she gets out just in time, just before the Enterprise self destructs and search for Spock. Yes, and yeah. then they come to terms, and the yes dot realizes um, they can help the. I mean, this episode's been out for a couple of months. It was I can't remember. I think it came out in December. I think so. Or November. I can't remember. But um, so I'm sure it's been discussed to death already. But the uh, so when Ephraim and Dot get to the movie Enterprise. Depicting scenes from Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock, um, the Enterprise is depicted as the Enterprise A, which is not correct. Right. Yeah. Because we couldn't have a different Enterprise because the eggs have been in there the whole time. Right. The Enterprise A appears at the end of the voyage home. Yes. And they're not going to... Technically, that's still the refit Enterprise. Yeah. But for this purpose, it had to be the same Enterprise all the way through, or else the eggs wouldn't be there. They... But... Michael Giacchino, who does the music and did direct this, did acknowledge, like, yep, we made a mistake. Well, I don't think he made a mistake. But no, they said, no, that's on us. It was a, it was an error. But uh, huh. I thought to myself, like, well, yeah, it's, it's a, you can still fix it, though. Just replace yeah. the digital file. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. But if there's ever something to make a mistake on, it's this. This is just a fun, lighthearted, goofy. Oh, yeah. And, like, I, and that's the thing. I don't even care. I was just like, hmm, that's, I'm like, that's not right, but whatever. Yeah. And yeah. you know me. I, I can... The little but, mistakes I don't like, but they hear them. Interesting that go. they, when they depicted the original Enterprise, they depicted it as it appeared in Discovery, on the outside. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. It's sort but of... But the engine room was the same from the original series. I like that. Yeah. I liked it because I was standing in there. Yes. Yes. The there, were no, thing, there were no eggs in there. And the eggs were in where we were, with the forced perspective kind right. of... Yeah, right. Which were. we were very impressed with, because it was very interesting how it was, how it was built. Yeah. No, I think, I think it was a... I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say in the episode. I mean, I just think that it was a fun episode. It was a nice romp through uh, Trek history that did not take itself too seriously, and it shouldn't have taken itself too seriously. I think there were, you know, of course, you know, you go online, you see fans bitching. Some, more than some, take it way too seriously. And, you know, again, making the mistake that that they choose, that they use the Enterprise A only adds to their arsenal of, like, see, they hate Trek, they don't care about it, they're lazy. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm so lazy I added an extra letter to the registry number. Yeah, and yeah. in my goofy, you know, almost Tom and Jerry style yeah. Star Trek cartoon. But it was great, like, they were fighting with each other and they were, like, kind of mimicking the Kirk fight. And they had, like... Mm, some of the music, too, right? Even some of the music was similar, yeah. They, they were kind of channeling music from the Cobra Might Maneuver. They were channeling some music from a mock time, so... Yeah, and that in itself proves that it wasn't meant to be taken too seriously. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. yeah. And I agree. Now, speaking of fan hate, I gotta believe the girl who created the stars brought some fan hate. I haven't plugged into that at all. Uh, I haven't either because I only just watched it today, so oh, right. I don't know. Okay. Um, I just think that outside of the uh, the sort of vignette that it's in, where it's just Michael's dad telling Michael the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the story could have just functioned. On its own, it didn't even have to be related to Trek. I mean, really at all. Yes. Um, Michael goes into the story a little bit in um, the season two episode, the first episode of season two, brother, where she mentions the girl who made the stars. But all right. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, it was fun. I, I didn't feel like it was something I really needed full context on. As far as knowing that it came from the episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's okay, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I was just left feeling... It had some history backstory to Michael, anyway. It's just like... Yeah. But that's I just, about it. I just kept thinking, what are they? why are they doing this tone, which mm. was so different than anything else? It felt like it could have been a short before a Pixar film. Right. I mean, it's the animation was amazing. It was quite good. Yeah. But, um, no, I get it. I mean, I I liked it. It was fine, but it, it's... Yeah, I didn't mind. It sort of is what it is. It if, I had like, a, if I had a like a kid, I would show that to them. Right. They would probably enjoy it. Right. Right. You yeah. Do like I, what they, they used to do that in the old days. They would play, play like a cartoon before a movie at the theater. Like you could... Uh, yes. Yeah, you know, you could Pixar do that. brought back when you, they you do You could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it just... It's interesting. Whereas before, with the short tracks felt like they kind of had some connection to things they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were using sets that they had laying around, things right. like that. Right. Where this is, they're really... I imagine they had to put in a lot of resources to do these very different animation styles. Well, I do wonder with the one with um, if the girl who made the stars, if the animation style for that one is going to be more in line with the animated series that they're doing for Nickelodeon. Because mm. we don't know anything about that yet. Right. Um and so I wonder if it's going to be sort of more in that vein, sort of like this, or like um, like Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars uh, Clone Wars, like that sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what uh, do you think? And of there's the no fact word on that show, like what that show is going to be about either, really. So right, yeah. What do you think of the fact that they would have creation myths still that they would tell? You know, creation of the universe it's myths. I mean, I think that's... I don't know if they... Because I, I, I seemed a little odd to me. It seemed a little odd, but I think at the same time, that's just his way. It's just a story he's telling Michael. I don't know if it's something he actually believes. He's just telling her a story. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're saying because at that point, they have the technology to see if any of the stuff... Right. Yeah. And they seem to have abandoned most of these kind of mythological or Well, even I mean, I know they go into it a little bit in New Eden and Discovery Season 2 and... You know, don't forget you had Cybok hmm. later on. But I think there's still some level of uh, people who believe that, but I think also science has made such leaps and bounds in that time that it's able to just be more kind of disproving. Yeah, so yeah. it's probably just a story more for fun than, Michael, yeah. this is how the Earth was created. Right. I just wonder if they would have wiped all of that out, even for fun. Well, because Pike, remember Pike said his dad was taught religion? That's true. Yeah. And I guess we are, this is earlier. Right. Because I have to believe at that point in time, is religion sort of like a, is it more regarded as like a, is it taught like history? Yeah. Rather than, you take a world religions course Rather than as a faith. Yeah, you don't get taught it as, this is how you should live. Right. Yeah, totally. That's, yeah, that's what I'm curious about, but. Yeah. yeah, we may never know. We may never know. Because we want to know more about Earth beliefs and things during mm-hmm. Trek than I think we'll ever find out. Right. Which is too bad. Yeah. And then, so the one that came out the other day, yes. the Picard prequel, yes. uh, Children of Mars. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Children of Mars. Yeah. So this one was interesting, and it, it was very interesting in that I, I, so here's my experience watching it. My first thought was, wow, that font is enormous when it says Children of Mars. Right. But, as I told you, 
That's the font they use in Next Generation for the episode title and the credits. That's pretty cool. Yes. So anybody who thinks that they don't have an attention to detail. Yeah. Um, So again, tone. They just fuck up the Enterprise A, that's all. The tone was interesting. Yeah. And it took me a while to accept it for what it was. Hmm. Simply because I expected something that would be more... Less, I don't know. I expect it to be more of a big plot thing. Like, okay, here's what here are the moving parts before the series that you need to know about, right. rather than yeah, because you don't think that it doesn't feature anybody from the show, as far as we know. No. Yeah. No. And we get life on this mining colony, right? No, it's um, of a mining it's, colony. It's, it's Mars. It's Utopia Planitia. They're on Earth. This is all happening on Mars. Utopia Planitia. Who's on Earth? The kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I got the impression they were, like, on a station around Mars. Nope. Okay. Nope. Because you it. actually see the um, Golden Gate Bridge in the background at one point. So they're on, they're on Earth, yeah. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting. So it's a story of um, uh, prejudice, bigotry, and then realizing that people are uh, we're going through this thing together. Yep. I mean, I don't know if I saw it as bigotry or prejudice. I just saw it as, like, you know, school kids almost never get along anyway. That's just... Really? I definitely got the sense yeah. that it was because she was, I don't, a, I don't she think was I... not a human. No, I, no, a because human. I th- no, because I think humanity's past that at this point. Right. That's what I thought, but I couldn't yeah. have any other explanation for it. It just seemed like... I just looked at it as, oh, you know, that's what kids do. I mean, when I was that age, I had the same things happening in school, too. So, Huh. I did yeah. not. I wonder yeah. what, how it was read by others. Because I just saw it as... I don't know, I couldn't not see it as human girl is being very dismissive of the alien. Mm. No, I, I I just think... And and what happens on Mars is happening in the background. And I think that's... we've been, And we saw what was happening on Mars. We saw that happening in the Picard trailer. So it's sort of like, yeah, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And then we did get Picard at the end. Briefly at the end. Admiral Picard reacts to Thought it was shocking. Thought it was shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. So as I was watching it, I'm thinking, okay, I don't know. This tone is weird. I don't know how I feel about it. But then the moment when they both were crying and they held hands, I actually yeah. found it very emotional. Right. So I was one Because over. they have something in common. Both of their parents are, and they probably don't even, both of the, you know, both of them have parents up there. Yes. On Mars. Yes. So... And they didn't realize that until now, until then. So yes, they. Which is why I do think that it was about differences because they only saw their differences. One's an alien, one's a human, and right. it was not until both of their sets of parents were in danger that they saw their similarities. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I'm sold. Okay, I'm but sold. it's interesting because, like you said, we we have learned that in Trek that those things would be have been eradicated on Earth. Right. By this point. But at the same time. Uh, children have to be raised, and you know their minds or their brains are still developing. So, you know, they probably haven't been fully conditioned yet mm. for that sort of mm. stuff. Yeah, if conditioning is required. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't I'm... think children naturally just th- at that point in time just naturally think that you know maybe I don't know maybe I mean if they grew up though in a society where everyone is yeah getting along. So that's interesting. I wonder if we'll find out more about that. Or... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I started off not liking it. Then I really liked it. Because it wasn't clear it where it was going, it. and you were like, how is this even tied into the show at all? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I thought to myself, like, are these, uh, you know, are these kids related to some of the characters or anything? But, 
Yeah, it was only when I finally accepted it as what it was. Yeah. The story of these two kids, and then... Like, One thing I did notice, and I don't mean to get into an area that I, that's that's ugly, but um, okay, go for it. when they show Utopia Planitia, which is so Utopia Planitia is a shipyard where all, where, all, where Starfleet builds all their ships. I'm beginning to notice that all of these ships that they have are from the Discovery era, really, and the shuttlecraft is from the Discovery era, and hmm. you know, weird. Trek has historically shown that starships from many eras have just gone on for a while, but I just thought to myself like. Again, it's a small nitpick, but I just thought, like, I, okay, but... That's a significant amount of time in the future that you They're building that, new ships that still look like the ones that we've seen on Discovery. When we know they've built ships in between that look totally different. One of the ships that we that we saw in the in the dry dock was the one that appeared in the... Um, it was the same type of ship. It appeared in the short trek, um, The Trouble with Edward. It's the ship that the science officer from the Enterprise commands, the cabin. It's called the USS Cabin. Okay. It looks exactly the same. Hmm. Do you think it's just a matter of these are short treks? We don't want to spend too much money. We yeah, probably. I mean, that's that's around. that's always the case with Trek. But I just thought to myself, like, yeah, this just doesn't look. These don't, these don't look like twenty fourth century. Yeah. You think they would look at least ships. next generation level of design, right? But you know, look at the same time, next generation did the same thing. You had the new Enterprise D, but then you also had, you know, they reused the Reliant model a million times. They reused the. Oh, yeah. And modified it. They reused the Excelsior model a million times. Then they used Birds of Prey models and things. Oh, those, yeah. 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 So, So, all right, yeah. It wasn't until much later in the show where you finally saw a ship looking a little, of that era, looking like, looking like the contemporary of the Enterprise, so. But I think it's just the fact that these were shown as new ships being built, and it's like, okay. You're building a ship from, you know, (laughs) a hundred years ago. Right. Was that all it is, a hundred years? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your shuttlecraft is the same as the one on Discovery. Right. Yeah. Well, we know shuttlecraft look different later. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So, Hopefully it's just for short track. That we see. I, I hope so. And again, it's a nitpick. It's not a, It's not really a big deal, but... Yeah. But again, it falls in line with what Trek has done in the past. It's just it's reusing old assets to save yeah. to save money. Well, I'll, I'll from my perspective, that's how they, that's how the look was established. It was reusing. I didn't I didn't notice. So yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, right away. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe it'll be the only time. Yeah. Well, I think though. Yeah, that makes sense. Hopefully. So, for as far as wetting our appetite, which I think when we looked forward to this episode, we thought, oh, this is going to be the prelude, the lead-in, more of a setting us up, setting the stage for Picard series. Yep. We didn't really get that. And No, not really. I think it's just the setting of the series is happening in the background. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but next episode, we'll be talking about the comic series, which... Goes a little bit more into detail. Yes, the that's your countdown. Yes, that's yeah. literally the. Um, but we thought to ourselves, you know, there are all these diff- various articles online, like you know, people getting here's your Picard binge watch list before Picard premieres and stuff like that. So naturally, we're kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, given like, given what limited knowledge on the show that we are aware of, there's only so much that we can watch. I mean, yeah, you could watch the episodes that feature Q. You could watch a couple of episodes of Voyager that focus heavily on Seven of Nine. Yep. You could watch a couple of Borg episodes on Next Generation. But I feel like, but we didn't sort of go, we didn't look for anything specifically that 
tied into what the plot of the show was going to be. I did only in a small way in that both of my episodes relate to how Picard interacts with Starfleet regulation. Right. And Which he does do plenty of times in Next Generation anyway. Yes, so yeah. that's what the episode that I choose to look at. Right. That was kind of like his but attitude you, toward it and when he has to challenge it, how he challenges it. But you didn't come at it as saying like, okay, well, this character is going to be featured on Picard, so I'm going to watch this. No, just it because, more, no yeah. it's more of a big picture. Yes. We know that he, he does something, somehow he challenges so Starfleet. We so did, how does he? We did two, and, so, and I didn't really take that approach. I just sort of took it as, again, just some Picard-centric episodes and um we did two each mm-hmm. so why don't you do your first one then i'll do mine then back to you and then back to me all right um, so um and by the and we tried to and we actually tried to think a little outside of the box we tried not to go to the we tried not to go to the regular go-to picard episodes that i think everyone would expect be talked about so um, yes and surprisingly i one of the ones i chose was one that you were you were going to choose yes and so you were like, oh, great, we can actually talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so we didn't want to go with your classic, most obvious, quote-unquote, greatest next-gen episodes. Such as Family or The Inner Light, which I think is overrated, I'm sorry. Uh, best of Both Worlds, you know, all these mm-hmm. ones. So, yeah, we kind of strayed away from those almost intentionally. Yes. Yeah. So you can think of it maybe as like... Uh, and both of mine come from the same season. Interesting. Mine mm-hmm. comes... Actually, I don't know what season is. Five, maybe? I could tell you. So... Um, Alright, so my first one is, so, like I said, I wanted to, not that I wanted to look at it, I just realized the episodes that I like are episodes where Picard is going up against Starfleet, or, I guess, not really going against Starfleet, more... Taking matters into his own hands? Um, just kind of like, how does he deal with it? How does he deal with the fact that he has to follow regulations, because... Right. He's an odd character in that. In a way. Excuse my squeaky chair. He he very much is a rule follower. Yeah. Which is strange for a right. character, I think. Right. But he'll go against it when he feels it's necessary. Right. But in only certain ways. Right. Like within the rules. Kirk, okay. would, Kirk would do it just because he didn't feel like following regulation. Right. He'd yeah. do, ah, that stinks, and he'd do something else. Yeah. Whereas Picard... <laughs> Goes with it, so I chose who watches the watchers. For Very surprised. I was surprised to hear that. To hear that, really? Yeah. Um, that's so. That episode, if I can just jump yes, in really do. quickly, it's a very similar to the the opening scene of uh, Insurrection. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's the same kind of idea, which I guess makes sense that this would be a common practice. Yes. For them to have their little um, right cloaked stations to observe cultures. Um, yeah. So it, and it doesn't. For some reason, it doesn't feel like that falls in line with Starfleet. It feels very sneaky. It does feel sneaky, but, as this one points out, the Prime Directive is the most important thing. Right. And you want to observe. You mm-hmm. don't want to be noticed, so you... Uh, you right. Know. But it's very dangerous. It as is we dangerous. can see, because this is twice now that right. there's, they've had problems doing it. So, in this, the, um, <clears throat> there are some scientists or anthropologists that are observing this culture... And they have some problems with their equipment, and the Enterprise has to go and help out because they're essentially their little hideout station started electrocuting them. Yeah. And one of them was missing. Mm-hmm. So they go to the planet, they go to help out, and um, 
the thing that pops up right away is Picard does not want to interfere with... Um, he wants to follow the Prime Directive. He doesn't want to interfere with the development of their culture. Yes. Um, so when they send the OA team down, someone, one of the locals sees the, the hideout, yep. goes up to it, touches it, gets electrocuted, falls from the mm-hmm. cliff, gets yes. really damaged, so they yes. beam him aboard to fix him. And... <laughs> We get Picard, and Picard yeah. is, um, he's kind of a dick often. So he says to <laughs> Crusher. The first few years he is. Yeah. He yeah. says to Crusher, why didn't you let him die? <laughs> Which I thought was one probably, of his first lines of the episode is. You were probably just take, a little taken aback by it's that. It's great. Right? Like, what? It's great. Or did you laugh? It, I, I laughed. This is how much he believes in the regulations. And he mm-hmm. says it later. We all swore that we would uphold the Prime Directive with our lives if necessary. Yep. Uh, and when he when he asks Crusher why didn't you let him die, Crusher says, "Well, we caused his injuries," and he says, "I don't agree." So now he's left with this problem. They have this person, yep, native person. They brought them on board the ship. What do they do? So what does he do? You know, one of my favorite things that Picard does, he gets his round table of people and he talks it through. Yes, and you know, this is one of my favorite things. It's just having him get everyone together. I want. I need the information. Yep. Um. They're talking about the fact that they have another missing uh, scientist, and he's getting information from everybody, and he says, We cannot interfere. We must do all we can to prevent further contamination. So after getting input from Crusher and Riker and Troy, um, and the scientist that was on on there, on the planet, Mm -hmm. um, they come up with a plan. Which I think is fantastic. So they're discussing what to do about the missing scientist now. By this point, they, the missing scientist has been is in with the native people, and he right. wants to transport them out. Right. Him out, the, the crew does, and he says he can't do it because that will further contaminate. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is they they fix the person that they saved. Yep. Saw Picard, heard people talking to Picard. So then, when he's back on the Earth, he comes up with this idea that. Their old stories about religion are true, and right. their leader is the Picard, is their god. Yeah. So the scientist tells, tells Picard, "Well, here's how we fix this. You right, they're, they're going off their rocker on this religion stuff. You just have to go down there, tell them yes, you are their god, and just you know tell them how to live. Yeah. Tell them to be reasonable people. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely refuses. Like it would have been the easy but sloppy way to fix it. Yep." But he's willing to risk everything Mm. because he says, I will not send them back to the Dark Ages. I will not. And he realizes that he would actually be putting their development backwards if he were to then make them think that religion is real. Yeah. You took a lot of notes on this one. I did. You took a lot of notes as if it it were a... uh... Discovery episode. Yeah. So, but here's the thing that I love is that. But you hadn't seen it in a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he comes up with this idea that, well, no. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get one of them, Mm. the local people. I'm going to bring them up here and I'm going to show them that I'm not a god. Right. So he he brings a woman up and he has this excellent explanation where he says, "Um, "Did you always live in huts?" I said, "No, we used to live in caves. We found evidence of this." Yeah. Did you always hunt with arrows? No, we used to use rocks and spears. I said, "If one of your ancestors saw you today, 
what would they think of you? Oh, they would be amazed. They said, see, I'm just like you. I'm just more advanced. Yeah. And he has this great explanation, and you think she's getting it. And then at the end of it, she says, oh, by the way, can you bring back my dead relative? And he says, no, I can't do that. She says, why, have I angered you in some way? So he doesn't get through to her at all. My uh, recollection were these people were like a prototype of Vulcan. They were like on the, the yeah. like a like Neanderthal to human, no, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that, you know, like connected, right. Right. but not quite. So, bah, 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 bah. so he, <laughs> he comes up with this other crazy idea. Okay, you think I can save people? So he brings the woman to watch the scientist die in sickbay. To show her that he can't save people. And that does the trick. So he brings her back down to the planet to show everyone, hey, he, he let her die. Right. So then what I really love is that when they go back down to the planet, the, the first person, the one who saw the Picard, and it's yep. really hilarious that they keep calling it the Picard, and they keep saying that um, the, we, have, we have angered the Picard. Like he's um, a god or something like yes. that. Yeah. So then he has an arrow, and he's going to kill Troy for reasons we don't have to get into. But Picard takes an arrow to prove to them that he's not a god. Mm. He tells them, then shoot me, and if I die, I am not a god. And if I live, I am a god, but I am not a god, so I will die. And that was a paraphrase. Yeah, I don't remember that line. (laughs) But he is so willing to make sure that they do not do damage to this culture that he is willing to take an arrow. And he takes an arrow. But only because his, the guy's daughter pushes his hand. Instead of going through his heart, it goes through like his shoulder. And interestingly, yep. Pamela Adlon plays the daughter, who was in the show Louie. Also, um, Ray Wise from Twin Peaks, who plays Laura mm-hmm. Palmer's father, is the main uh, alien person. So, a fun cast in this one as well. Um, so, what I really like about this is, this is Picard... Showing that in some ways he's uncompromising mm-hmm. when it comes to the rules. He believes in them so much that he's not going to he will risk his own life, he'll risk other people's lives to follow the rules. And these are the same, this is the same attitude he adopts for insurrection. Yeah. Right? I mean, he doesn't go, and I mean, in, in insurrection, he basically full on rebels against Starfleet because he thinks that what they are doing is wrong. And. Even though in this case he doesn't rebel, but yeah, it's it. There are some parallels between them, I think. Yeah, it's on. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like other people want to like kind of cut corners with the rules, and right. he's the one who says, "No, we do it by the rules. We right. do not cut corners. I'm not going to go impersonate a deity just to make our lives a little bit easier." Right, and I think it's, I believe it's Measure of a Man, which is your, which is your other one. It is. He said. He says something, I'm going to, I forget oh, the... Oh, I know the he, quote you mean. Well, we, we don't, don't ignore regulations when they become inconvenient. That's the one, yeah. Yes. Yes, I love that line. Yeah, so this yeah. this also is him saying mm-hmm. exactly that. No, I'm not going to go say I'm a god and just tell these people how to live. Right. And it is kind of a dumb plan, given how right. the Prime Directive works. That's right. direct interference. Um, but hearing you talk about that one, I mean, I, th- I think I want to go back and watch that one at some point. I may, maybe I'll watch it later tonight. It's It's a... Damn I haven't episode. seen it. I haven't seen it in a long, in a long time. But it's it's definitely a 
because when you mention those quotes, when you mention everything that Picard is doing, it's a classic. To me, it comes off like a classic piece of Star Trek. That's the other thing. Is it really gets into the ethics of the Prime Directive? Yeah, and how much can you give? And, and once you've already done damage, what can you do to to undo right. it? Right. What are you willing to do? Yeah. Because they've seen him, they've seen the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and the irony was of it is when he did the same thing in Insurrection. It turns out that the the Baku, who are the people that stuff that we're observing, actually, this was not sort of a breaking of the Prime Directive in in a way because those people had already established warp drive. They just chose and technology. They just chose not to use it. Mm, that's a little loophole. Yeah. Yeah. And Picard I, finds that out. Yeah. Right. Another thing I think it goes to show that But he wasn't rebelling because he felt the Starfleet wasn't following the Prime Directive because he wanted to relocate them and they wanted to relocate the Baku and they were deceiving them and Picard's like, well, that's that's not right. Yes, as you can see here, he goes, he doesn't, he has the option to deceive them and say he's a deity, but he goes for the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the truth. We're advanced people and we seem magical to you only because we're ahead of you in technology. And that's exactly what happened at the end of New Eden with Pike. Remember Burnham's like, we need to tell them because you had that guy on the planet, Jacob, who thought oh, right. all that. And the dilemma was, do we tell him or do we just let him think what he wants to think? And Burnham kept saying, we need to tell him. I mean, he's a human being. And Picard's like, well, yeah, but general order one applies. And then you find out that I mean, Pike and Pike, that's what I said. I said Picard. Oh, sorry. Um, and then, yeah, at the very end, Pike chooses to actually reveal the truth to him. Which, yeah. And I remember when that, we were so thrilled. We're like, okay, finally, they're actually going down the right, they're going down this route now. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah. liked having that little debate. Right. And, um, yeah, I think the debate here is, is great. Yeah. I will check that episode out again. I recommend everyone does, and give us your thoughts on the Twitter so the episode that I, so the first episode that I chose is um, oh I'm sorry I'm sorry sorry I'm getting interrupted okay I'll make it cleaner for you but there's a there's just a little humorous um, note that's great is that Data is <laughs> so while Troy is on the planet they're communicating with Data right but she's among the aliens yep. so she can't be speaking directly or it's going to seem weird because she's disguised as them right so Data asks uh, Troy a question and she says. Uh-huh. And Data says, is that a positive response? He can't understand uh-huh and mm-mm. He has to keep asking everyone. I don't understand what you think saying. that you think that would be in his vocabulary. Nope. <laughs> Too subtle for him. Um, cool. So, so my episode, the first episode I'm choosing is The Big Goodbye, which is the first episode that Picard actually plays the character of Dixon Hill. And this is the one that was on my short list. You wanted to choose, and then I was like, don't worry, I chose it. Um, so, first off, this episode is in the much maligned first season of the show. Which, I've got to say, just in general, the first season of The Next Generation is not that bad. Yes, there are some cringe-inducing episodes, and, you know, overall it's not the season is not as good as the ones that follow. But it's not as bad as people say it is. I mean, both of my choices come from the first season. Both, wow. Both, yes. Um, now, The Big Goodbye. Now, it, I wouldn't say it's truly a 
central to Picard, but he's obviously a mass a major role in the episode. Oh, and yeah. you know, this is the this is the first episode in which he actually plays the character of Dixon Hill, who he played a couple more times later on throughout the series, and then even used that character to take down a couple of Borg in first contact. But um right. which was great. Um But I think it's great that it gives us an insight into him. Like this is Picard's fantasy life. Right. Right. And and it was the first time really for us to get to get an insight on him. I think I think at that point in the show, because again, this is only I forget what episode number it is, but this is early in the show's run. And I think before this episode, I did not find Picard to be an extremely likable character. Because I think no. even then, the show was still kind of suffering from the whole, well, he's no Captain Kirk. Right. And plus, he is still rules and regulations. Right. He's a little stiff. He was uptight. He was stiff. He, um, you know, even in the first episode, he came off that way. He said to Will Rucker, I don't like children. Keep them away from me. There was, so there was not, and he was kind of a jerk to Wesley, but that's okay. Um, so there was, I did not find anything particularly likable about Picard up to this point. Um, and not to say that I liked him after this, but it was really, you really, it was really kind of the first time to see him get away from the captain's chair and just sort of like do something, you know, because I didn't find him to be the kind of captain that I would want to serve under. Right. And then you at least get some personality from him. Correct. Yeah. I remember the scene where he goes into my favorite place of all, the you know conference table. Yes. And they're having a meeting about the upcoming uh, insect people talks. Yes. But he's he goes into the holodeck for a few minutes, and then he, and then he leaves, and you know he thinks to himself like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm really going to immerse myself. Oh, yeah. So can't be dressed like a bellhop, right? As they keep but telling him. What's cool about it is like after he has that experience, he goes to the crew and just tells them how great it was. And I think what's kind of cool about that is that the holodeck, I think, at that time it was a new technology, but I know that it kind of, the animated series established it, and then Discovery was using holograms. But it was new for Picard, but it was also new for us. Yeah. The viewers. And I think this was a great way to show what it can do. Right. Right. He was in San Francisco um, in 1994. And it's also the first holodeck malfunction episode. Mm. The first in a long oh, line of holodeck malfunction episodes. Mostly Voyager's fault. Um... But, yeah, so I liked him in the conference room just sort of bragging about and just t- telling everybody, like, how excited he was about yes. it. Yeah. It was a different side, and I thought it was hilarious because... When I looked down into the street, I actually saw automobiles. And Worf kind of reacts almost with disgust. He's like, automobiles? He doesn't even know what doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think it's great, too, because there's a there's a point there where we really get his personality because he gets... He's like a... a excited kid to tell you about something. Right. And he sort of forgets that he's in the conference room about to do something important. He kind of gets all excited and then you right. can see a point where he kind of has this quick shift and he's like, oh, uh, right. So, the meeting. Yes, of course. Well, Beverly wipes the lipstick off his face, which is weird <laughs> because the lipstick came out of the holodeck with him when that you, probably shouldn't have happened. You know holodeck does um, what it needs to do. And then... Yeah, then he kind of snaps back and he goes, okay. He's like, the purpose of this meeting. Yeah, it's very yeah. very abrupt. Yeah, right. <laughs> the purpose of this meeting is yeah. the alien. Right. Insect aliens. Um, and so then they go back to the holodeck. Data's with him. That officer whose name I forget is with him. And then Crusher yeah, joins him afterwards. I love how it's like, oh, an officer, he's an expert in 20th century. It's like, why is he? Why do you need an expert in 20th century uh, history on a starship? 
Right. Like, what's what's what's, what's well, his what's his day to day? Well, did you get to see? So, my theory here is that, I mean, it's almost like this episode could be summed up as uh, Picard gets addicted to a video game and then yes. stops doing all his homework. Yes. Well, and I think that also is sort of the purpose of the holodeck serve because clearly it was something that existed, but he, it was just something he didn't do. Right. But maybe he brought this guy on because secretly. He just yeah. wants to Dixon Hill out all the time. Right. He knows this guy's going to help him do it. Right. Um, yeah, and so, and I think that's sort of how I attribute to the attribute the technology existing even before Next Gen. Because, I mean, I think there may be some references to it early on where they say it's a new technology or something like that. But, you know, I kind of, at this point, take it as like, well, maybe it's just a new technology that they're now putting on uh, starships, but they have them for, like... You know, recreational. That makes sense. Yeah, you know what I mean. He says it at the beginning too. He he kind of gives a little exposition, and he says something like he explains how it works. And he says it is invaluable for training, but also for recreation. Now I'm just forcing it. You are just forcing it. Yeah. Um, but he mentions that it's mainly for training. Right. Right, and that's what they use it on Discovery for, for training. They used it, Lorca and Tyler used it to shoot some Klingons in the first season. Oh, right. Yeah. So I don't think it was a full-on holodeck, but it was like a simulator type of thing. Yes, I remember yeah, that. And they were using it for training. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So, not, so yeah, there's your answer. There's um, your answer. Not to say that I want to sit here and discuss things like this, but... Um, <laughs> ha! Okay. How's it fit? Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's... And also, for those people who love to see Picard and Beverly... Those Picard and Beverly shippers out there, right? Beverly! Like, this is the... I'm not... We're not doing a rerun on that one. <laughs> enough's enough. Um, this is kind of the first time that they get together but don't get together at some point. This is the time they're sort of, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, she's, do, like, she's a little jealous. They kind of do it in the naked now. They kind of do it in the naked now, but they were also under the influence of a disease, so... Yeah, yeah. but it's great, but he asks her to come along. Yeah. She gets a little excited, but yeah. then when he says, "Oh, and also we got to bring the historian," you can see right. her face drop. Like, oh, she didn't. Yeah, yeah. He didn't just want me along for me. He wants yeah. me along probably so I can fix his wounds or something. Yeah. Um. The big yeah. The big goodbye was always a favorite episode of mine. I mean, it's 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 what they call a bottle show. There was no real. I mean, you had to build. Well, if the bottle is a set of San Francisco in the nineteen forties. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So not a bottle show. Um. They didn't leave the ship, theoretically, but um. I think it's definitely one of the standouts of the of the first season. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. And we see that other side of him which we haven't seen. Right. Really for the first time. And um, I think it's it's definitely a I think it's an important Picard episode because for that reason. It's just it's him you're getting to see more of the character outside of um, as a stiff captain. Cuz again, I think first season and even the second, even into the third, it's not really until the best of both worlds when, after that, where he really sort of becomes a much more relaxed and likable character. It's almost like that experience of having been assimilated really kind of changed the person that he was. And it changed, I think, it changed Patrick Stewart's approach to the character. Now, whether that was intentional or not, whether it was just Stewart becoming more comfortable and them realizing, like, hitting their stride, here's, where, here's who right. the character needs to be at this yeah. point. And if I'm not mistaken from the behind-the-scenes interviews, didn't he also say that he sort of loosened up after the first season? Where he was very, as an actor, he was very Even much, as an actor, he was very... Yeah, he was yeah. very, why are you laughing? Yeah. We, we're, we're here to work. Mm-hmm. 
Right. He, um, yeah, there's that famous story where he, um, you know, the cast was uh, having a lot of fun and he called a meeting. <laughs> right. No, I guess they, I guess, so I guess what happened was behind the scenes, um, you know, cause the cast gets along great. They always talked about how behind the scenes it was always like a, it was always like being like at a slightly out of control party almost all the time. And I guess one of the directors, one of the directors refused to come back. Because he thought that the cast was too out of control okay. and didn't behave so well he, enough. So, so, so Stewart had a reason to be so Stewart, doing this. So, and the, I guess there was a meeting called with the cast telling of this, and um, you know, Stewart said like, you know, I think there's too much kidding around, there's too much all this other stuff, and we're gonna take this work seriously. And Denise Crosby said, um, "Oh, come on, Patrick, we gotta have some fun." And he goes, "We're not here to have fun, Denise." <laughs> That's great. And then uh, Marina Sirtis has gone on later on to say, yeah, like, after that, he then became the worst one of us all. As far as goofing around? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, but they, I mean, they, they said, like, in the first season, he was incredibly, like, pompous and just very, like... Yeah, well, he was a Shakespearean actor. He was actor. a Shakespearean actor, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's worked with everyone, you know. Um, um, it's... You know, and then he goes on to play Dixon Hill several other times throughout the series. But, um, yeah, this is, if I ever go back and watch episodes from the first season, I always make sure that I go back and watch this one. Yeah. And as I said, it's the first in a very long line of holodeck malfunction, malfunction episodes. Mm. Yeah. This is the first time this actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like holodeck episodes. Usually there's a level of real goofiness to it mm. and just the fact that it is this older person's idea of like noir detective films yeah. you know and, and going into that usually it's a little cringy at points but but you know even just as a technology itself like I would I would love to have something like that oh yeah you know I would yeah uh, you think it's I mean certainly virtual reality is kind of like that's that's the, the earliest version of a holodeck yes. that we have, but um, I think it was, I want to say it was a Voyager episode, I can't recall, but they're talking about Casab- the movie Casablanca, and someone says, have you seen it? And the other person says, well, I saw the holographic version. Mm. And in my head, I'm just like, oh my god, Like they take old movies and they can make hologram, holodeck versions of them. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. You can walk around in the place. Yes. I don't know if I'd want that. But... Yes. Huh. That Yeah, that'll probably happen one day, too. Yeah. But it, someone will try to do that. For us, it's like, oh, it went from VHS to DVD. Right. Oh, it's in 3D. Okay. Yeah. We just need that as a technology at some point. Yeah. yeah. I think one of my favorite things that Trek has done is the fact that they acknowledge the clear... Um, sexual uses for it. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that they did that by having the Hollow Suites in Deep Space Nine because, yeah. you know, otherwise it's just one of those things where, like, well, obviously somebody's doing it with it somewhere. Right, right. And uh, so. Yeah, yeah, they were whorehouses on the internet. Yeah, yeah. So your next one. My next one, choice is. One that another, I'm not surprised by. Another episode. This is actually one. This is one that's on the list. Yes. Greatest. Yes. But it is a good episode. It is a good episode. And I think that it's not. Overrated. I think it's properly rated. Yes. And um, it, again, it shows Picard working mm. within the system, but in a little bit different way. So I chose Measure of a Man. Yes. 
Where... Measure of a Man is a quintessential Star Trek episode. Yes. Yeah. Because. Perfect Star Trek episode. Exactly. In a lot of ways. Because it deals yeah. with a big idea. Yep. What is consciousness? What mm-hmm. is, what does it mean to be a sentient being? Yep. Um, and, but the great thing is that here you have Picard almost challenging Starfleet to uphold its own ideals. Yeah. Because it wants to go with sort of the, the more simple, um, kind of corner cutting idea, mm-hmm. which is, well, Data, yeah, I mean, clearly he's not just a computer, but it's just easier for us if we treat him like just a computer. I think it's something that Starfleet didn't properly think through because there are no other androids serving at Starfleet that we know of. Right, and definitely yeah. not ones that have a rank. Right. Maybe there are some androids like lifting crates somewhere. Or Arium is long gone. Well, Arium, we don't know what Arium is. <laughs> um, Why is everyone so imp- impressed with Data? <laughs> When they've had that thing around for years. It was a legitimate question. Well, they don't have it around for years now, as we yeah, found out. And she was not. She was an augmented human. Yes. It changes everything. But, so the idea is that we have this scientist from Starfleet comes out to get data, because he's going to take him apart and figure yep. out how he works, and then build a, an army of data. So there'll be a data on every, every um, starship. Yeah. And Picard's not okay with this. Well, he's sort of okay with it at first. Hmm. Um, he's okay with the idea of it. Yeah, it's, he's okay it's, with it's, the idea. It's how he has to go about it to try to accomplish this that he has a problem with. Yes, and the yeah. fact that Data doesn't really want to consent yes. to it. Yeah. And so he really pushes back against um, Philippa. Hmm. Philippa. You almost said Philippa Giorgio, didn't I you? I did. That's the <laughs> voice. Um, so he really pushes back hard against Philippa. Yep. Plus, I like we get a nice touch, which is usually whenever, if you notice this, whenever Picard encounters a female higher up, there's always this little t- chemistry tension between them. Yes. So he gets a little tension with her, where he goes to kind of a, like, oh, remember back in our old days, and you know, it's always a little sexual tension when Picard's yeah interacting with people. So he pushes back hard, and he says, "Convene a hearing." It's okay, you don't have to do it. I'm not going to. Because <laughs> okay. um, he, he wants to challenge it, and, and she, again, yep. doesn't he doesn't like the corner cutting because she says, oh, this is a new station, we don't have staff, like, it's going to be really hard. Right. And that's when he says, um, surely you have some regulations for this, and if you don't ignore regulations, then they are inconvenient. She does say she has, the only thing she says is she has a terrified little ensign. Really? Serving <laughs> on her staff, yeah. A terrified little ensign. Yeah. Um, so very weirdly, they they say they can have it, but the um, Picard is going to represent Data, mm-hmm. and number one is going to represent the scientist against Data. Yeah. And Riker. Riker refuses. Not Pike's number one. Right. He tries to refuse. Yeah. And he's sort of forced into doing it, but um, Picard launches a fantastic defense of Data. Yeah. And you can see that he thinks he's losing for the whole beginning of the trial. Mm. Because Riker, you know, he, he's a very good advocate for his client. Yeah. And he does a few things at first. He goes over, he has him bend a bar yep. to show how strong he is. And, and um, Picard has great objections. It's a very loose trial. 
he just yells out like, "There are lots of beings that have I do like how mega strength." He like stands up and just says, "Objection!" like three times. Yes, <laughs> and it goes nowhere. Yeah, and the- <laughs> I've said a long time ago there was like this YouTube mashup of that where he just like. It just said Picard keeps objecting. And it was like every <laughs> sentence he would stand up and say, Objection. <laughs> That's funny. And I know a little bit of law from Super coaching good. mock trial at yeah. school, but, you know, he, they're not. It's not there's really also like a video a right now trial. on YouTube where, like, actual legal experts look at. Look yeah, at that so trial. there's a guy yeah, called yeah. Legal Eagle. Yeah. I really like his videos, but I think that this is his worst one because he's applying modern day earth law to this situation that's yeah. completely different right so for the objections well that's not an actual way to object in a court of law well this is not a u.s court of law yeah this is starfleet yeah yeah but i do really like legal legal so yeah shout out to legal legal um and uh, Riker also turns him off and says like yeah so he's a machine watch him and turn him off yeah which is really well done um but then it's when picard lays into what exactly is consciousness Mm-hmm. And he gets the scientist, he asks him what consciousness is, and he lays out the three criteria, self-awareness. There's that great discussion between him and Guinan about it. Yes, yes. Yeah. So then he questions, Am I con- prove that I'm conscious. Mm-hmm. Prove, like, is, is Data conscious? And he says, basically ticks through how he has all the requirements of being conscious. Yeah. Like, do you know, is he sentient? Yeah. And then he kind of asks everybody, do you know? Do you know? Yep. Do you know? Yep. And um, what I love is what a great quote is, Now the decision you reach here today will determine how we regard this creation of our genius. It will reveal the kind of a people we are, what he is destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android. It could significantly redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others. Are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits, waiting. It's fantastic. My God. It's like, when is it going to (laughs) end? It's a great quote. Fantastic. Um, So, the thing... It is a typical Picard quote, too. Yes. Yeah. He's... Master rhetorician. He's mm-hmm. able to... It's Shakespearean, you. as Patrick Stewart is. He can move you with his words. He yeah. really can. I love that. Seek out new life. Well, here is new life. Mm-hmm. And now you want to destroy it. Yeah. Um, so what I love is, again, he's following the rules and regulations, but he's recognizing Starfleet, you are not following your own rules and regulations. You're not living up to your own code and ideals. Right. And I am going to force you to by using right. your own yeah. words and your own regulations right. and your own ideals. Which, if they do it well in Picard, when he, as you said, potentially he's going to recognize that Starfleet is not acting in, in the proper way, this will be how he does it. He will be... It just falls in line with who Picard is because he's clearly done it. He's had to do it multiple times in the past, and now he's doing it again. Yes, yeah. and it's... I love the idea that he... And there's always a corrupt admiral someplace. Yes, yeah. most of them are. Yeah. And you, ha- and yeah, there has to be someone that sees the ideals right. and is able to push through to make it live up to its absolute best. Right. And that's what Picard does. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's my favorite captain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, 
this episode like really brings Picard front and center in terms of the type of captain and really does a good job of like really showing you the type of captain that he is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even the way he goes through his process. He goes he like you said, he talks with Guinan. Yep. He talks to gets the insight on slavery and how he could bring that into his argument, right? He yep. really and the, the great thing about this episode is that it's about him kind of working through how to give the best defense. Yeah. For data by talking yeah. it through, thinking it through, and you know, and when you mention all of this, it makes me, um, in some ways, question my second choice because um, another episode that sort of ev- evokes this that type of um, uh, that's what I'm looking for, like evokes that type of feeling, mm-hmm. is uh, that episode, um, the Drumhead from season four, where Picard gives that speech on civil rights. Do you want me to pull it up and read the whole thing really loudly? No, I don't. Uh, listeners will know what listeners will know exactly what scene um, I'm talking about. But basically, there's an investigation that has to be done on the Enterprise, and um, the the retired admiral who comes aboard to handle this investigation, things quickly get out of control because she feels like she's discovering all these other things. And then this little investigation then blows up to be this huge thing, and she's questioning just about everybody. And it gets to the point where by the time she's questioning Picard, he's just like, you know, it's gone totally off the rails. Oh. Yeah. So she's kind of overstepping her investigation and trampling and he on has to, civil rights. Yeah, and he has to kind of, yeah, bring her down. That's great. Bring her back down to orbit. Yeah. Um, yeah he and what's great like, about it is because her, the Admiral's father, was, I believe he was a Judge Advocate General, and he uses... Picard uses a famous quote that he said against her. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He could have been a lawyer in this other yeah. life, Picard. He could have proven a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... I like it when he is the sort of the moral conscience of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why... I find, that obviously, I mean, this is common, but why I like the shows much better than the movies, because the movies, right. they sort of push all that stuff a little bit to the side. Because if you look at our episodes, there's been no space battles in any of them, I don't think, believe. Even though my episode is called The Battle. <laughs> there is no battle in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reference to a battle. Yes. But, um... So we've had no, yeah, no space battles, no, no. fire torpedoes, none no. of that. This no. has been all character... Right. ...ideas. Yep. Yeah, Measure of Man is, yeah, that's that's very, very, that's a very, yeah, I mean, even though that, that appears on all those lists, like, I'm still fine with that. It, yeah, yeah it, it deserves to be on the list. Yeah. It's it's the one that, it's the one that I think is, that appears on every single list is uh, uh, The Inner Light, which, as we were, as I was saying, you know, I'm not, it's not a bad episode, I just think that it's fine. I don't think it's, I personally don't see it as one of the greatest next-gen episodes ever made. No. You know, matter do I? Yeah, it's a little um. What's the word? Like, it's a good story. It's a touching. It's a good. A well, it's a good. Sappy, sto- maybe? It's a good. St- not sappy. I mean, it's a good story. It's an intriguing story. It's a fascinating story. It's a sad story. It's 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 everything. But it was never one of my. It was just never one of my favorites. Yeah, and it is all that. Say. It's sad. It's but. I think we like the episodes where they grapple with ideas. Right. Things and yeah, I mean, I love the idea of Picard living somebody else's life in like the blink of an eye. Like that was that was cool, but um, yeah, like it's it's a very it's a very heavy episode. 
yeah. emotionally. It's emotionally. Very, yeah. Rather than yeah. philosophical. Right. Um, but my my episode, my second choice, is, again, from the first season. It is an episode called The Battle. Um, and in this episode, the Ferengi, who were kind of, I think, they were hoping, I think, the Ferengi were going to be the sort of villains of the first season, mm. which didn't really seem to work out that way. But right. they, the Ferengi appeared pretty often in season yeah. the first but season. But thankfully, they were there to be so we important. Because we got Quark on DS9, right. Um, but... So, the battle is about a group of Ferengi who find Picard's old ship, the Stargate, so the first ship that he commanded. Mm-hmm. And Picard fought a battle against the Ferengi at, called the... It was at the Battle of Maxia. Mm-hmm. And um, he devised what was called the... Um, what is famously known as the Picard Maneuver, which is sort of a battle move where it looks like the ship is appearing in two places at once. But... Um, this group of Ferengi um, finds his old ship and just gives it to him. And at the same time, Picard is like suffering from these strange headaches. He's getting an excessive amount of headaches, doesn't know where they're coming from. And so the Stargazer comes, they go aboard. Picard goes aboard to, you know, collect some mementos. And when you first look at it, the Stargazer is clearly a ship from Kirk's era. The bridge is the same bridge of the Enterprise in the movies. Mm. <laughs> so they kind of, there's a little bit of consistency there. That's fun. Um, which is cool. But the Battle Bridge is also the uh, Enterprise Bridge. And the courtroom in Measure of a Man is the Enterprise Bridge from the films. Um, so Picard goes aboard the uh, Stargazer and we get to see. So we get to see a lot of Picard's past in this one. Right. And. He had always thought the Stargazer was destroyed, but it was just drifting in space for years and years and years. Him and his crew escaped, for the most part. And um, we come to find out that aboard the Stargazer, there is this... um, The reason why he's getting all these headaches is that the Ferengi have some device on that ship. And um, it turns out that at the Battle of Maxia, um, in fighting with the Ferengi ship, one of the Ferengis who died was related to the Ferengi aboard the ship. So it's sort of like a revenge yes. story in a lot of ways, and using the past to sort of get back mm-hmm. at him. And using his nostalgia to pull him in. Yes. But, you know, he's having these headaches. He has a hallucination, you know, back at the Battle of Maxia. And um, I think it's a really fascinating episode, and it's one of the few times we really sort of delve into um, Picard's past and seeing what his life was before taking command of the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and... In a later episode in Relics, with the episode with Scotty, like he goes on to say that you know the Stargazer was like this sort of overworked vessel, and that it always seemed like it was going to fly apart at the seams at any given moment. And mm-hmm. yeah, what would you say that we learn about Picard from seeing him in his earlier days? Do we learn that he's changed, or is something the same about him? Well, I think they established that the Stargazer was the first ship that he. Yeah, they established that the Stargazer was the first ship that he served on as captain. And I think we just sort of learned that he grew a lot as a captain since then. Mm. And, yet, you know, he questions, like, you know, if I had the chance to do this again, would I make the same, would I make the same mistake the second time as a captain now, just with, with, just with the experience that I have? Right. Yeah. Um, it's strictly a character piece for him, and just seeing where he was then and where he is now. And then also where he's going, where he becomes later on. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, it's one of the, I think it's one of the highlights of, uh, again, one of the highlights of season one. Yeah, I've always enjoyed that episode. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. You were all season one. Like I said, I think season one is a, is, I think season one is underrated. It's not, again, it's not a strong season, but I find there's like all but like three episodes that I just don't really find watchable. But otherwise it's, I think it's, it's fine. Hmm. The show, I mean, look, let's be honest, like every Trek show, save for the original series, they all sort of get off to a rough start. Yes. So. Um, it looks like there may be a comic about what happened on the Stargate. There, are, there is. I haven't read it. Interesting. Um, but there is. It's definitely one of the strongest, I think, Picard episodes in the, uh, in the series. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we put together four great episodes to watch to yeah. see the many sides of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. And I didn't want to go down the road of going to the typical episodes. Again, The Inner Light, The Best of Both Worlds, Family. Like, all all fine episodes in their own mm-hmm. right, but I think those are the episodes that people would have expected us to, to sort of go to. And, you know, we didn't... Again, we didn't select any episodes that seemed like they were tied into the plot of what this show was going to be. Right. Although... Which we still don't really know fully, so... Although I think we will see how he deals with power structures. Yeah. Which... I mean, I think based on what, we, what we've decided, what we have chosen, it's clear that he's staying pretty much in line with who he was. Again, he's pointing out to Starfleet, like, no, this is wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, yeah so because there may be that tendency when we when if he does do some rebellious act against Starfleet, oh, this is not a character for him. But right. if Starfleet veers off course of what he thinks is it's living up to its mission and ideals, right. he's not going to accept that. Right. So it will be very much in line um, with his character. And it, yeah, and it also seems like that's what's happening with Discovery in season three that. Starfleet and the Federation, and again, that's just based off the trailer and what they said at the uh, New York Comic Con panel, but it seems like Starfleet and the Federation have either lost their way or they're a distant memory now because of because of something else, and Discovery is now this sort of beacon of trying to maybe pull them back to remembering who they who they should be. That would be nice. Um, so we're going to... So, again, I'm just making an assumption at this point. I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to revisit this a year from now to see where I, where I was right and where I was wrong, but... It seems like both shows are kind of trying to do the same thing at this point. Yeah. 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 I'm, as, as, as we said before, I'm still more excited about Picard than Discovery. Yeah. Are you still feeling I'm still about more excited about Discovery because I think there's, there's more possibilities there, I think. There's more. It's so far ahead in the future, I can't even begin to guess where yeah. they would be. Yeah, and I just think I think the canvas is much more empty mm. for Discovery than it is uh, Picard. Because because think about it, Picard's going to be like this is what I'm get this is what I'm going to guess with Picard. Given where it's set, like fans are going to be like, okay, now when are you going to go to DS Nine? When are we going to see this character from Voyager? Where am I going to when are we going to see this? Because they're going to be in that setting. When are we going to see LaForge? When are we going to see? Yeah, I think they want. I think most people want it for. The possibility of revisiting past locations and past characters. Oh yeah, I hope yeah. they don't do that. Yeah, but my what I'm worried about. Was I honestly don't believe people are excited for the show because they want to see the new things they're going to. Do. They're just excited to have Picard back again. I don't think they care what the plot or what they're going to be doing. 
they want they just want to see Picard and the next gen crew back again. Hmm. Well, they're not gonna get Sorry, that. as cynical as that sounds. They're not going to get that. But we are, though. We're getting Picard, we're getting Riker, well, no, we're, we're getting Troy, get we're getting... The further no, 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 but we're going to see them again. Yeah. And I think that's really what people want, because I feel like, well, Next Gen's my favorite Trek. This is my Trek. We're getting. We're going we're to see all these characters again. Yeah. Right? It's like I said to you months ago. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's built yeah. on nostalgia. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Whereas, I want to see it as... I, I want a blank canvas. Here's what I hope it will be, right? Yeah. A character that we don't really like, but now... In a different context. Yeah. Who is he? Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah, I want we'll see. see. We'll see. Um, I would have been fine without seeing anybody. But I'm that's why I'm more excited for season three of Discovery. Because it's a totally blank canvas. They yes. can do whatever they want. In, in some ways they can do whatever they want with Picard. But you have to tread... You kind of have to tread carefully. Because yeah. you're, you're still utilizing a legacy character. Right. Legacy characters. But they went... How far in the future again? 900 years? Yeah. Okay, 900 years. So I feel like, as you say, a canvas... I feel like it would be like um, going from a Rembrandt to a Picasso, where I'm not going to know where, I don't have anything to, I have no context for it, you know. Right. I'm not going to have anything to hang it on. It's going to be so far from anything I know. But, I, but, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I got it. Yeah. I'm excited for both, though, when it comes down to it. Yeah. No, I'm, I, look... I didn't ask for a Picard show. Um, Picard is not my favorite captain. Yeah, they really Sorry, they everybody. Didn't, they didn't consult either of us. <laughs> um, still waiting for that Captain Pike show. Um, what about before Pike? Who was your favorite? Kirk was my favorite captain before Pike. That's all I'm saying. I see. Yeah. Okay. I didn't so, know that. Sorry. The show's not appealing to me, but it's not about me. So Right. Right. And I like Picard fine. I like Next Gen fine. But, yeah. Yeah. I understand. I'm still gonna watch it. I'm still excited. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh yeah. I'm excited. But for yeah, I, I I I just have a theory that people are more excited just because it's back to the next gen era and there's more, and we can see DS9 and Voyager yeah. and more next gen. I think that's really what people are more excited about. Well, quite at honestly. least what people are excited for or not is not going to change what shows up on the screen. Well, I mean, if we don't see any of those characters, they're going to get mad. Well, they can get mad. I mean, they're going to get mad anyway. Yeah, so, if you do see them, they'll get mad. If you don't see them, they'll get mad. Yeah. So, we'll see. But uh, Picard is less than two weeks away now. Yes, and next week we're going to be looking at the Picard Countdown comic book series. Three yep. issues. Yep. Yeah, we uh, there's two out now. I think the third one's out in a couple of days. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if it's worth, in that time when we discuss it, revisiting Nemesis. Why not? The direct lead-in to all of this. The thing that sets everything in motion. Or, yeah. Because I will say, Nemesis is a fine Trek film. I don't think it deserves all the hate. It's a, it's a, it's a slightly weaker film, but I don't think it deserves all of the hate that it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now that, now, now that that movie is more relevant. Wait, why is it more relevant? Because... That's the last time we saw everyone? Well, it's where Data died. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. So. And Tom Hardy's more relevant now. And we... And Tom Hardy's a... And Shinzon's a clone of Picard. So. 
Yeah. It's sort of the beginning of all of this. Yeah. I mean, we see Romulus destroyed in the 24th century scenes of Star Trek 09. Right. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be... Um, Nemesis, I think, is relevant. It's, yeah. That makes sense. So, and I think based on the trailers, we see Data's brother before from Nemesis. That's what they open up the draw. Yes. Yeah, because Data was destroyed on the Shinta, on the um, Scimitar. Right. So. Yeah, so we'll throw Nemesis in there, too. Mm-hmm. We should. Good plan. So that's what we're going to be doing next time. Star Trek Nemesis and the Star Trek Picard Countdown. Picard Countdown. Countdowns. Comics. And then the week after that will be... The first episode. The first episode of Picard. January 23rd is when that comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like it was never going to get here. I know. Yeah. It's great. And it'll be a 10-episode season. Ten, huh? Yeah. Okay. And then, theoretically, a few months after that will be season three of Discovery. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I think Lower Decks is allegedly coming out this year, too. So. Okay. Yeah. It's all track all the time. Um, and then I guess after the season three of Discovery wraps production, I guess they're going into uh, production on Section 31. You didn't. You didn't hear my body crumple. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I like Michelle Yeoh a lot. I love her character a lot. Yeah, I just I don't like Section Thirty One though. I really hate Section Thirty One. Yeah, again, really like anything. If you put good, if you have good writers, anything can be. good. It made sense to have it in Deep Space Nine. It served the plot. This, I just they had it in in uh, Into Darkness too. I didn't even like it then. Yeah. Alternate reality or not, I still hated it. I just, I don't like Section 31. Yeah. I really don't like Section 31. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, obviously we have no idea what it's going to be about, but the most obvious things it could be about seem like they wouldn't be that great. Yeah. If it's, you know, subterfuge and spying and sort of like. How do you maintain the quote unquote Roddenberry vision? Yeah, I think of it as like. CIA covert activity. Right. But Starfleet style. So overthrowing Guatemalan dictators. I mean, Guatemalan presidents democratically elected, but in the space version. Well, they have to do it to maintain peace. I, you know, look, I would actually be interested in seeing a Section 31 series about how the organization came to be in the Enterprise era. Yeah. That would, that would actually more. interest me quite a bit. That would be interesting. Then you could have the philosophical battles going on. Yeah. Is this violating? Is this protecting? Is this violating the, the vision of Starfleet? Is this, or do we need this to protect right. the vision of Starfleet? Because when they had it on Enterprise, you th- I thought to myself, like, well, how widespread can they really be since they haven't really explored much of space yet? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I would have been interested to see it then, see a series then. Yes. About that. Yes. Or maybe an episode or two. Mm-hmm. Or a book. I'll read a book. Yeah, book or comic. Yeah. But I don't want, you know, because there's only so much energy they can put into shows right and I feel but I will say if uh, you know they say that the section 31 show is going to be set in the 23rd century so if this Pike series never comes to be we can always get him to guest guest star on the show yeah possibly they can make Pike's captaincy of the Enterprise a living hell (laughs) what if they're the ones that drove him to uh, hand it over to Kirk 
Right. Yeah. I'd be really, be. I'd be really upset about that. It would be weird though that he would hand it over and then they would leave Kirk completely alone. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But so yeah, we're um, yeah. I guess yeah. This is the first episode now that we're doing where we're back to uh, weekly podcasts. I guess. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because we have. We have comics next week, and we have Picard after that, and then the show begins. Yeah, so we're back, I guess. So as always, you can contact us on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust, and just tell us your favorite Picard episodes, I guess, is what you want them to do. Uh, Why not? Sure. Why not? Can't hurt. Area for discussion. Um, And then, yeah, I I would highly recommend reading the Countdown comic if you haven't um, already. So far, it's really good. So, um, Yes, and if you didn't, you can hear us talk about it. Right. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Have fun.